You're listening to the Skylight Books Podcast. We're an independent, general interest bookstore putting great reads in the hands of people in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles. Hosted by resident Skylighters, we're here to bring you new and exciting author conversations, group reads, and bookseller chats. Happy listening. Hello, my beautiful listeners, and welcome to Skylight. This is the Skylight Books Podcast, and I'm your host, Lance Morgan. Today, I'm so excited to welcome Duncan Birmingham to talk about his new book, The Cult in My Garage, and other stories. Duncan Birmingham is a writer and filmmaker living in Los Angeles. He's been a writer and producer on numerous TV shows, including Marin, starring Mark Marin, and Blunt Talk. Short films he's written and directed have premiered at film festivals, including Sundance and AFI. His stories have appeared in literary magazines, including Mystery Tribune, Maudlin House, Nerve, Juked, 7x7, Brooklyn Volume 1, and Joyland. Duncan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming on today. Uh, thanks for having me. This is a real, this is a real treat. No, this is, this is, the, the treat's ours. <laughs> um, no, this is going to be, this is going to be fun. I had such a great time reading your book. Um, the, also, I, I said the cold in the garage, the cold in my garage and other stories, but I'm pretty sure I got the book there. It's, I think that, I think that works. It's the cold in work? the garage, but it's a book of stories. You know, no, I even talked about that. Should it say another story? <laughs> I, I, I mean, what I, what I like when I pick up an author's, you know, collection i kind of like right. the, the titular story and uh you gotta, you gotta start to realize it's a book of stories they, 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 they sneak a book of stories in on you well now that i've novel. well now that i've renamed it and officially i'll be writing and other stories on every copy we have in the store now um i think that i think what i, I made the good choice there i'm joking i'm joking don't come after me editors don't come out don't don't come to skylight being like how dare you change the name this book um no duncan you have a reading for us today i do i do i was gonna read uh, uh most of a story i don't want to wear out my welcome but most of the story called uh, quebec um Perfect. and uh yeah and if you if you are dying to hear how it ends there's only another page left when i get to the end so you'll just have to pick up the book Ooh, leaving us with a, a little uh teaser there or not teaser what's the word i'm looking for cliffhanger so <laughs> All right, so this story is called Quebec. I hadn't been out of my apartment much that winter when I met her at a party. I'm not exactly a party person and was busying myself finding a cracker or anything to leverage some dip with when she said to stop staring at her. Ha ha, she had a witch's laugh. I'm screwing with you, stare all you want. Me? I'd made myself go to the party but had forgotten to prepare myself for talking to people. She told me I probably recognized her from the commercial where she played the girl on the bus with the headphones on, eating a submarine sandwich. She did a little dance and mimed eating an impossibly huge sandwich. Can you imagine someone actually doing that? Who writes that shit, she said. By now, I'd assume she was talking to me because there was no one else in the hall. Her chapped lips were circled with holiday punch and her tumbleweed hair was held in place by one strained strand tucked behind her little ear. She took my phone and followed a handful of accounts on Instagram that she said I would find repulsive, but in a fun way. One was a septuagenarian porn star with a plastic surgery addiction. Another, a toothless collector of botched taxidermy, plus an obese woman bottle feeding her possum. Instagram must have taken down the photo where she's breastfeeding that giant rat, she said, disappointed, scrolling. 
crack, but way ride home from the party, I unfollowed all those unfortunate people except for the girl. She had used my phone to follow herself, which I thought was a clever and forward way to connect us. And who was I not to reach out and ask if I could buy her a beer? On her first date, she had me sit on the couch with her and run lines for a big audition for another sandwich spot. I'm getting tight cast because I can open my jaw wide, she said, and stuck a socked foot in my face. Don't get any ideas, perv boy. She complimented my line readings and filled her mason jars with red wine and told me this would only take a couple hours. And don't think I don't know what you're thinking right now, she said. Another crazy fucking actress. She never sat still and took pride in calling herself out on things before anyone else could. I know my laugh is over the top, so stop looking at me like you want to kill me. Or don't think I don't remember that I said I was only going to have one drink at dinner. Or just because I have X amount of cats doesn't make me a cat lady. She would sit down to eat dinner, to eat a dinner she destroyed her kitchen in the process of making. Before I could even try it, she'd shove a bite in her mouth and proclaim it a disaster. Don't eat that. She'd hustle the plate out from under my fork with beet state hands, toss the entire dish in the garbage like it was rat poison, and tell me to open another bottle of wine. I'd do as I was told, curious to see what would happen next. The first time she came with me, she threw me off her, darted out of the bedroom, and returned seconds later in a turtleneck and sweats, crunching through a bowl of cartoon cereal like she'd been binging a TV show. Oh, what? So now I'm the selfish lover? She accused through a mouthful of purple cereal. Oh God, that word, lover, gross, 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 gross. She called me purr boy when I kissed her and judge judgy if I didn't say anything and Mr. Scratchy beard when she introduced me to people. She had a funky tattoo on her shoulder that looked like a cross between a turd and Mr. Potato Head. It's a turd, she snapped when I asked, then shook her head at me. Come on, who's ever heard of a turd with eyeballs? One time in bed, she told me my Penis lolled to one side like her boyfriend's in Quebec. His is a little bigger, though, she added. This time, I may have looked at her a little like I wanted to kill her. I'm kidding, she screamed and did her witch's laugh. You should have seen your face. You should have seen your face. Then she thrust her tumbleweed of hair in the crook of my arm and explained she made dumb jokes like that when she was afraid and liked someone. I kissed her purple-stained mouth. Oh, perv boy. She told me I had negative thinking patterns as well as antisocial tendencies and was always loaning me self-help books and demanding them back if I hadn't read them the next day. Out in public, she accused me of flirting with any woman that talked to me. Who, that woman with the clipboard, I'd ask. She blamed her jealousy on her OCD, which didn't make much sense if you saw her bathroom. I'd tell her she was the only weirdo for me and she'd say, I make the jokes around here. She cranked the Fox News up loud and yelled at me that she was learning how the enemy thought and that I needed to get out of my bubble. She was vegan unless it was after midnight on a weekend, then she'd howl drunkenly for pepperoni pizza. I know, I know, but how many cows did you save this week? She had a crush on Bella Lugosi and was endlessly disappointed by my hair. No matter how she positioned it, it just didn't have a widow's peak. Before I could decide if something bothered me, she'd already accused me of resenting her for it, thrown up her hands as if to say that's just who she was, then lassoed her bony arms around me and licked my face like a dog and asked if I could stomach the sight of her for one second longer. I could. We sometimes fought for hours, broke up, and got back together without me uttering a word. I thought about the nature shows I used to watch as a kid about birding, how patience and no sudden movements for hours could yield such beauty and flashes of joy. It's not a turd. It's one of the California raisins. You know, the raisins from the 80s who sang Motown songs, she said late one night, sitting on the side of the bed in the dark. My dad loved them. Um, like the cartoons, I was half asleep. Reclamation, 
The last thing he said to me was to sing the California Raisin song. They were his favorite band. She had her back towards me and I reached up and rubbed it. I don't think he even knew who I was at that point, she said. Eventually, she stopped throwing me off her to go eat cereal after she came and I gratefully would wrap things up on my, I'd gratefully wrap up my side of things lickety split. If I saw her staring at me jealously at a party or drugstore, I'd let my jaw go slack and roll my eyes back until whatever female was talking to me hurried away in embarrassment. That made her laugh. I'd pick up a bag of tacos on my way home to the apartment, hiding them in my coat pocket and pretending to find them like magic after she'd flung our dinner away. When she told me to stop looking at her like I wanted to kill her, I'd roll on top of her and smother her with a pillow. Are you dead yet, baby? I'd ask and lift up the pillow. Her face would be red, mostly with laughter. I'd do this over and over, tickling her and kissing her face before clamping the pillow down over it again. Dead yet? I became mostly vegan too and even watched Fox News ironically with her. What a holiday for myself it was. Nor one for once. And yeah, it's about uh, three quarters of, uh, of that story. Yeah, no, that um, I I know the ending of that story, but to the listeners, you want to read it, you want to check it out. It's a, I mean, and to start off onto my first question, um, for you, there, your story surprised me because I, as I was re- when I started it, I was when I started the book, I was like, oh. I could see the tone of this. It's going to be funny. There's going to be like, it's going to be smart, funny. Sir, it's going to surprise me at the end in a way that I'm going to look at and be like, I'm going to just chuckle to myself and be like, this is, this is a great ending. No, <laughs> I was, they are dark. These, these are, some of these stories are very dark in a way that I love. I love a good dark, like twist on a story, but I, you, it, it came out of nowhere for some of them for me where I was just like, wow, this is, this is a good twist. I did you come at it with like that sense of like, oh, I'm gonna like these stories are gonna you're gonna think that they're this one thing and then turn into this like darker tale of like my own critique on this specific topic. Um, uh, I love that question. Uh, I uh, well, I do like stories that have curveballs. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I would say maybe I came from from the point of view where. Um, uh, a, a lot of the characters in the stories um, are maybe you find them uh, f- they're, they're they're funny and they're they're amusing mm. because they are uh, going through a lot or mm. they have uh, 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 certain like very neurotic tendencies mm. or obsessions. And um, they were and they were like heightened versions of like the real care the real people too. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I think yeah, they're very heightened, going through heightened versions of, of pain mm-hmm. or, or breakup or, right. uh, or or different types of neuroses, and and those things often do, uh, um, it would seem, uh, end in, in in darker ways than than we might hope. So it it, it felt um, maybe like I wasn't uh, consciously trying to come up with a curveball, but it, it it felt like since the since the characters are uh, are so kind of twisted up. It felt like I was trying to, you know, push them to whatever that that cathartic moment yeah. was. Uh, cathartic being something that can be um, uh, good for them. Like uh, I'm thinking of the one the one story about the uh, the revenge app, where I think mm-hmm. he does experience some genuine catharsis and, and probably ends up uh, uh, kind of getting over the, the woman he was obsessed with. But mm-hmm. in, in most cases, like in in 
real life, even though these stories are very, very heightened, the, uh, you know, the, the neurotic behavior and the obsessions um, uh, usually cause the characters to kind of skid out in, in dark, unexpected ways. Well, it's also, I mean, there was a refreshingness in it too, in a sense, I, I am, a, I love a good, like, short comedy series like recently i read the simon rich's book new book of short stories and he's it i so i was reading it like oh yeah i got another simon rich and i i or another like this comedy um set of short stories and then i was like oh wait but this is what the what a great dark twist on these stories too and like the characters too you don't make it easy on them you make them you make them sweat a lot of the times too. You make them work for a lot of their, um, a lot of their endings they have to work for in a really interesting way. Did you, did you do a lot of um, soul searching there to be like, oh, this is how I kind of want it. <laughs> My brain wants to say punish. Well, and like, like a God smite these characters. No, like, um, did you really like go through a lot of inner, like inner, thought inner uh process inner searching to like see how you wanted these characters to grow through their lessons uh i think i did although now i'm like ah, oh, i wish i wish i was just writing some more fun simon rich type <laughs> no we don't listen simon rich simon rich we don't need simon rich we need more duncan birmingham <laughs> I, I i don't know if the world agrees but i i i, uh, <laughs> I think um i I, I think it, it, it's still, yeah, almost like the other question kind of goes back to who the characters are. And, and because they, I think when we meet them, for the most part in these stories, they, mm-hmm. you know, they've kind of been spiraling for a bit. We're, we're usually meeting them towards their uh, in movie terms, I guess, towards the, the crisis third act. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, whatever their problems are, usually things they've been wrestling with for a while. I'm, I'm thinking of the, you know, the kind of, 50 something writer in the writer's room who's kind of time has come or the mm-hmm. you know the guy that gets out of rehab and has a, a a very odd relationship with his his best friend those 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 are people that are are, are very uh very set in their patterns so if the story is going to be about and sometimes i like stories that are just slices of, of life where you just kind of peek mm-hmm. in on someone in their in their pattern um mm-hmm. and really there's 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 not much that happens, um, which is mm-hmm. very true to life. But since these stories, uh, like you said, felt a little heightened and, and, and mm-hmm. I wanted to have some highs, some comic highs and some dramatic lows, kind of felt like I wanted to start uh, w- whatever these stories were kind of, kind of near the character's crisis points. So in, in that way, I, I, you know, I didn't think I was really kind of sitting back, punishing them. I was just trying to think of what, 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 what is, what really would happen if, if this person is like, a, you know, a, a a, a boiling tea kettle sitting in his uh, writer's room every day, resenting everyone, crushing on some, a woman who's half his age and, and uh, bemoaning his ex-wife. It would, it would, it would seem like he's got to act out in some way. Mm. And I mean, that was another thing I really, really did enjoy. Cause uh, I feel like with, uh, especially like short story, a short story collection like this, it might be, um, hard to find out where to start for each character story, but I feel like you did a really good job of giving us, you know, enough information about their their background and what where they're coming from to find a really good start for their stories where, yeah, it does reach that 
it quickly reaches that like boiling point for them where they have to uh, reckon with their lives, their decisions, their um, consequences in a way that I felt really did a good job of making these stories impactful in such a in such a quick way that I just, you know, each story impacted me in that way where I was, I think I, every one of them, I sat back and I was like, whoa. <laughs> um, I was, it's the the first one, especially like the the TV writers one really was like a, oh yeah, you know, you know, you know, I mean, if you live in LA, you know that guy, you know that guy. Um, but like that, the, um, the, titular story also felt like that too it felt like re very um just you know quick and quick and in remember uh memorable not rememberable um oh, yeah, yeah how so this these stories um came from like you wrote we wrote these stories They've, you've been on a journey with a lot of these stories can you talk about that for a little bit like where the because if you look in the book, you can see all of the um, origins of each story, right? Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've you know written stories for years. Um, uh, I would say you know most of these stories are are. I mean, I, I rewrote I re just let everyone know one now. I rewrote them all for uh, for the for the book, even if they were in lit mags before. I think mm -hmm. the oldest story by far is everybody's famous, um, which is one of the mm -hmm. most more surreal stories, and that probably that appeared in. Uh, a site that's not up anymore, StoryCorps, that I really liked. And that was mm -hmm. probably like eight years ago. But the rest are stories that, have, and I, you know, rewrote that um, uh, for the book. And the rest are stories that I wrote probably more in like the last three or four years with the idea mm -hmm. that it may be, uh, if I wrote enough, I'd be able to whittle them down, find some com commonalities and put a collection together. Mm -hmm. um, and even, uh, even the, the newer ones, uh, like the ones that have appeared in um, like Maudlin House or Joyland or two of the lit mags have published a lot and like, you know, kept, mm -hmm. kept, kept at rewriting those um, to try and not so much keep them current, but, but you know, just be the best stories they can be. Um, Non-essential workers is the story that I wrote during the pandemic. That's kind of like the, the one that was like, uh, building a boat as like the water was like rising around me that was a, a, you know I don't know how the story came out I hope people like it I uh mm -hmm. that was a really tough one because no, I, the pandemic is, is still raging um and uh yeah. I just wanted to kind of capture that that summer of uh that first mm -hmm. that first magical pandemic summer of uh what everyone was doing uh at least in in my neighborhood here in LA in terms of like mm -hmm. the you know the, the the fires covid the um yeah. the things that we've kind of forgotten about a little bit like washing the groceries and mm -hmm. uh banging the, the pots and pans for the healthcare workers at, mm -hmm. at, at eight. so there was there was a lot of um obviously misery but there was also kind of like a little maybe a little bit more <laughs> hope um in terms of uh this is going to be like a six-month thing but 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 that story was really about the the um, the character being so isolated and, and mm -hmm. so cut off from the world even before the pandemic that the only way he seems to be able to connect is, is subconsciously as he has these dreams that um, turn out to maybe even not be his his own dreams he theorizes and I mean like yeah it's, there's um, God thinking about that time I felt what was I like 
10. I felt like I was a child then. Um, just, but no, I mean, what I feel like that's interesting to make the choice to write, to include that story in with, you know, stories you wrote maybe before the pandemic, uh, stories, I mean, stories you did write before the pandemic, um, but stories that you, um, you know, have collected throughout this time, then to put this, why, why did you um, decide to put that story in there? Um, I, I wanted to have, it felt like, you know, as I was writing the book as the mm. pandemic's happening, it, it felt like at that point, I'd already been talking to Modeling House, the publishers, so it seemed like, all right, so this is going to come out like in a year, felt like I wanted to have, and I wanted to have something that had a toe in that, in that world. Um, uh, it, it felt important to me just because um, I had the opportunity because I, you know, right. the book already had its little deal and was going to come out. Mm -hmm. so, so why not try and, 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 and get something in there now that I felt like kind of ex expressed my feelings about at least where we were at the, at the beginning of the pandemic. No, I mean, get, that's a great, I feel like, why did, I feel like that's a great, um, you know, reason to put something like, yeah, contemporary in there, something that's, you know, gets the audience to connect. I, did you have a specific reason for placing it where you did in the book? Like, was there an order for them to, I liked the Irish goodbye ending was great for me, but I, a part of me was like, I'm curious why the pandemic one wasn't last. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I felt like the pandemic, the pandemic one's a pretty ch chunky story. And sometimes mm -hmm. I kind of like the bigger ones in, in the middle. Like a um, meteor. And the, and the foodie detective. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the, and also, you know, there's there's elements of the first, you know, kind of the, the, the first four stories are kind of like ones that I'm like, all right, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm leading with my best foot forward. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like there's certainly elements of the non-essential workers. It's, it's, I think it's maybe not as as funny as the other stories. It's kind of a, mm -hmm. a, a more of a, a bitter pill to swallow. Yeah, yeah. And and then plot wise, anything that has to do with dreams um, is a little little tricky. So it's it's yeah, not yeah. like there's a there's almost I, I like to think there there is a dream logic to the story, mm -hmm. um, but it it, it is uh, maybe not as linear and not as um, uh, clear cut as some of the other stories. So. So I guess that's that's why my that's my way of saying it's hiding in the middle, <laughs> to, uh, at at the end um, where it might feel like I'm trying to say something a little more definitive about mm -hmm. uh, the pandemic and where we are, uh, yeah. um, than I than I really um, could. Um, yeah, I, I felt like the the, the Irish goodbye um, that kind of uh, kind of sour grapes. Um, Hollywood writer character. So since we've kind of touched on him a little bit through the older TV writer character, I, I, I like the idea of like uh, kind of touching base with this other character and um, kind of, I, I like that story the way it kind of ends on a very ambiguous note. I mean, um, a true Irish, Irish goodbye. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> In fact, I don't know how everyone, I, 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 do, I do not understand the, the logic of going someplace and telling people goodbye at a party. I mean, if you're having a drink with someone, it's different. This is a very, yeah. Vibe, but yeah. I mean, I was expecting you to just sign off after that and be like, well, this is, I'd uh, be like, oh, all right, the podcast is over then. That was a, a real Irish goodbye moan from Duncan Birmingham. <laughs> I mean, what a, what a way to end this podcast episode. I would respect it. I would respect it. That, I could pick up my, my new mic and drop it. Um, <laughs> Perfect. I, yeah, I in, 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 in the ending, I, I, it's ambiguous. Does, does he, 
I feel like the character is left with kind of the um, uh, conundrum that a lot of the characters are. It's like, oh, do I let this, this uh, in that case, the car going by that might have the celebrity that is is going to my uh, uh, my god cousin's uh, you know dinner at the chateau? Is that something real that I'm going to chase, or am I just going to keep walking? And I, I feel like that's kind of a question that a lot of the characters are facing, especially in the more Hollywood stories, kind of uh, uh, chase the the uh, chase the dragon a little bit or uh, kind of forge your own path. Right. I mean, and if you had the choice, what would you choose? Which one of those two do you think? Or do you want to do you want to leave it a little, you know, mystery, mysterious? To uh, the audience? I, I mean, a little mysterious, but I, <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still here doing what I'm doing. I'm, I'm chasing after Jackie Chan going to the Chateau Marmont. Um, <laughs> And I mean that, I mean, aren't we all, isn't that what the city is about? The city of LA, we're all chasing some sort of Chasing our own personal Jackie Chans, yeah. Well, talking about the city, um, I just want to ask you, and this might be a little of a spicy question, but I feel like it's, I feel like you'd be okay with it seeing as the cover of the book I'm holding up right now is a palm tree on fire. Do you... (laughs) In 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 the most loving of ways, do you a little bit hate LA? Because I felt I felt a little bit of you know animosity towards the city in a way that I feel like everyone feels uh, when you know a bus cuts you off on the street or you know you accidentally step on some dog shit while you're getting a taco around the corner. You know, I felt that kind of like God damn the city in when I was reading it in a lot of ways in a in a way that I felt comforted by. Oh good. Okay. Well I don't I don't want to disappoint you then, but I, I do really love LA. Like when I first moved out here, like everyone, the first moved out from the East Coast, the first year's rough. Mm-hmm. You'd been warned about LA. Uh, mm-hmm. and after year two, I remember I started to like it and I almost felt guilty for liking it because <laughs> I'd been so poisoned. Uh, with uh, been told that you know LA is not a good city, people aren't aren't good people. Uh, that I was like, am I a bad person? Am I a bad? <laughs> I love this uh, this 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 weird kind of bizarre dream city that I just moved mm-hmm. to. That also felt like I'd lived in many years because I because you because you know it. Uh, if you're a pop culture person, you love movies and TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I I mostly love LA. I feel like. Um, uh, maybe in the last uh, couple of years, I've I've gotten a little itchy. So it does feel like uh, for anyone, you, you know, you're kind of trapped. We're all kind of trapped a little bit where we are. Yeah. Um, I'm jealous of the people that are, are uh, able to kind of get the jet setters. Yes, I don't yeah. know. Not that I only have a dog. There's nothing really holding me here. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, no. Overall, uh, I I do love the city. I do. Love it's the city. a. I mean, it's a great city. It's a. I mean, I've been here for a year and a half now, and I mean, I love it here. I, I, I mean, we are bad. I feel like we are bad people. We are, I mean, city, we are uh, one earthquake away from descending into hell, but you know what? I love that. I would never leave, um, you know, to quote, to quote, was it? Um, only the good die young, you know? Rather laugh with the sinners, right? Um, and <laughs> we're we're better too than LA, but no, I mean, 
and talking about sinners, I feel like a lot of them are in this book. I mean, a lot of the the LA personalities are in this book in a way that I I felt like I met a lot of these characters, the um, the lonely hearts, the cult leaders, um, the TV writer, as I said before, the both young and old. I mean, the um, the I, I couldn't stop laughing every time. Uh, I reread re the um, TV writer story and I couldn't stop laughing at the end of that because what a move, <laughs> like, oh, what a, what a, I feel like every story I've been warmed about a TV writer's room has been like, oh yeah, that's it. That's what it's like. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> someone would do something like that at the end. I won't spoil it for you listeners, but just know it's a, it's <laughs> um, an explosive ending. <laughs> yeah, yes, fun yes. way. The, the ending is uh, an ending that probably would not happen in a TV writer's room much <laughs> anymore. It's kind of a throwback to the kind of stuff that, uh, the narrator, uh, used mm -hmm. to be up to in, in, in less PC days when he was more the king of the room and the, the cock of the wall. Um, but yeah, that story just came about. I, I, I love being in TV writers' rooms. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm, I'm available. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> big fan. But uh, I would say it is, it is if, you're, if you are having a really bad day, pitching mm -hmm. comedy sometimes uh, can be a little uh, tricky. So the, the idea was mm -hmm. someone who has just gone down a rabbit hole of, of mm -hmm. deep, dark depression and is also, also aging out of, uh, of his role. Like, how would that work in the writer's mm -hmm. room and uh, how difficult would that be? Um, so that's mm -hmm. kind of the idea with that story. And I just, I mean, I love the the dynamic there too of him. A part of me was also like, I would love to see like an extended, I mean, for a lot of these, I would love to see like an extended version of them, their own book for that, for the story. But this one, I would have loved to see like a, a feud between those two, the younger and the older writer in a more like, I got to see the perspective of the younger one too, but like a feud uh, back and forth uh, with, you know some zany plot like it felt like that too where i was like here are two different sides of the spectrum uh in this space that like you know it's so it's already high it's already it's a heightened space already a tv's writer a tv writer's room is um a crazy space right um and now you're having this like this guy who feels like he's being ousted and this guy who's trying to find his way in what a great, what, what, like a great, uh, you know, just electric space for that. No, it felt, it felt really, um, it felt really fun to be in that story. That's like, if it just, that was fun. That was fun. And a lot of these are fun too. The, the, um, woman who takes the pill to, that what another ending that was fun listeners i'm i need you to read this because i i can't i won't spoil anything but you will have a fun time with that first story um oh good yeah a classic amy about the the uh classic amy the, uh, uh, <clears throat> love pill that she yeah. um yeah i really wanted to come up with i'm, I'm glad you like that i really wanted to come up with a, a, a twist for that i think i had the twist maybe before i had the the story um mm -hmm. some deal real and yeah you know a, a lot of these like the the uh, good in the room about the tv writer the foodie detective exterminator mm -hmm. 
are like kind of seeds for bigger, bigger works that either I have worked on or have tried to work on and they've, they've petered out. Um, mm -hmm. I've, I've, I've definitely looked at the foodie detective and been like, oh, can I write this as a, as a, as a novel? It's been a, a little, little tricky, but uh, who knows? It, it might, might still happen. Um, the story Exterminator about the guy who's kind of masculinity is challenged by his, uh, his um, uh, kind of very eccentric female exterminator. Uh, that was mm -hmm. a story. Then I made it into a, a short film. Then I wrote a, a script of it and I've been mm -hmm. shopping the script around. So mm -hmm. um, I, if I could just write short stories all day, that is my number one thing mm -hmm. that I enjoy. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, a lot of them kind of sometimes uh, end up being blueprints for, for other things or longer work. So that's, that's nice. I, I, I like short stories that feel like, um, you know, you want them to continue, especially, yeah. yeah, yeah, most, most novels I read, I'm like, uh, ready for, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get out, uh, at, at, but most, most good short stories, I'm always like left wanting more, and I like that feeling. Yeah, I mean, the, I feel like that's why there's a, there's a definite, uh, want for both of those, because sometimes you want to, like, you want a good ending, but sometimes you also want to, like, oh, wow, I want more, I, and I leave them wanting more, right, that's always, a fun feeling for both the reader and the writer too, right? Um, I the I want to also know about because you just mentioned it too, like you said you would write short stories all day, but you're also a TV and uh, film writer too. How did you? How do you um, balance those two writing styles in your day to day life, and also like you know in your while writing this too? Um, well, I, it, it's, it's usually t TV is kind of what pays the bills usually. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, um, kind of try and do that, but, uh, mm -hmm. that doesn't often, sometimes that doesn't often happen. Uh, right. and I kind of have my, you know, I kind of have my list of short story ideas where mm -hmm. if I am, uh, either not working or not act actively chasing down TV work, which is what a lot of my work is. Uh, mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on these, on these short stories. So, mm -hmm. so maybe a, a couple of years ago, you know, in my in my 30s, I tried to, I chopped a novel and that hadn't gone anywhere. Um, mm -hmm. And and then I, I think, um, like I said, a lot of these stories are are collected from from years and years of, of literary magazines. But it was really like two or three years ago where I was like, hold it, I got I got like I got like a bunch of stories here. I feel like I really like redouble my efforts, mm -hmm. and um, and 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 you know the 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 little light at the end of the tunnel is being able to send them out to literary magazines and publish them there. So I, I was like, I really need to kind of buckle down and, and work on a collection. So I, I kind of made an effort to carve the uh, time writing the stories out of my day, especially in the last two years. Um, it, it's just like so nice to be able to have something that you wrote yourself that nobody else is tinkering with that, mm -hmm. um, you know, is able to, you're able to put out in the world as opposed to a script, which is, is something that's a blueprint for a collaborative effort with other people that usually, right. in my case, um, nobody does anything with and I somehow get screwed. So, so there's, I, I, I couldn't love writing uh, stories more, but, um, but yeah, uh, TV, uh, dramedies, and then uh, I wrote a, wrote and directed a, a, a very, very low budget uh, horror movie uh, mm. this fall. Um, that was congratulations. A big thing. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. That's not a. That's a very. Wow. This past fall too. That is what a time to be doing that too. 
uh, it was crazy. It was crazy. <laughs> the COVID element was uh, yeah. another challenge on top of like all the all the many challenges. Um, mm -hmm. it, was a, it was a really crazy uh, twelve day night shoots. Uh, oh, wow, night shoots. Actors that really brought it home and, uh, and wow. saved, saved my bacon. And uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, hopefully it'll be out soon. It's called uh, Who Invited Them. Who Invited Them. Look out for it, listeners. Look out for it. Um, no, I mean that's yeah, and to put out a book in that <laughs> during that time too, um, you are congratulations. That is no small feat. Um, the the well, I am sad to say we have to wrap up, but the last thing I want to ask you, and I'm very excited about this because it was my like my favorite story, was the titular the titular story the called my garage. I want you to know I did not expect I did not know what to expect with the story because you know whenever you see the whenever in a book of short stories you go to that um the one that has that is the titular one and you're like always you it's always a surprise it's always a mystery about what it's going to be this one I just I felt so connected to the main, the main character it surprised me in a way um great it's in it, it felt also a great, I felt great in this COVID, this crazy, what, 19th COVID wave um, that we're in to see the story about escape, like escape from like, you know, your regular life. Um, can you talk about like your history with that story and like where it came from in you? Um, sure, well, I, I really liked that. I kind of had the title before the story Mm -hmm. So I'm glad we used that title for the book. At, at, at one point, somebody told me the title sounded too much like a Goosebumps novel. <laughs> and like, but I'm glad we I'm glad we stuck with it. Um, so I mean, that's yeah. a that's a compliment to me. That'd be I'd be like, yeah, oh, okay. R.L. Stein's Goosebumps, amazing. <laughs> I know, it probably would. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind picking up some R.L. Stein. Uh, people that made a mistake. Uh, <laughs> There, there was kind of the, the the idea of the title before the story, uh, and I guess I, I just like this idea of like this the surreal image of, of, of mm -hmm. uh, you know, a, 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 a cult or whatever that means in, in some kind of like really domestic um, mm -hmm. setting. And from there it kind of spiraled out into this like idea, you know, I love stories about unwanted house guests that, that mm -hmm. overstay their welcome uh, mm -hmm. and, and uh, you know, and like to toxic bros that uh, can be super annoying and and, mm -hmm. and how like rough male friendships can be on, on someone who's like an outsider uh, mm -hmm. from the friendship so so yeah that that idea of a, of a, uh, kind of a, a wife a woman that's put up with a lot from her mm -hmm. husband when she's really kind of doing everything in the household in, in, in terms of uh, making the money and taking care of the kid having to deal with like this uh crazy friend from college coming into town and then the crazy friend from college actually being a, a very 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 different than what you would expect from him yeah. and had a different type of relationship with her than you would expect was 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 the idea of the of the story um, well even you saying that like it's the 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 uh, visitor the toxic that element of like the toxic male bro it felt even when you just said that i was like yeah but the the the, you know, the toxic male bro was in the house. The He's already there. It's like the, the there was a, and without spoiling too much for you, listener, there was a really nice twist in there where I was, I wasn't expecting, 
I wasn't expecting the relationship between the visitor and the main character to end up like that. And a part of me was like, <laughs> a part of me in the middle was like, good for her, good for her. Um, because she, the character got some, you know, she got some relief, relief from that. And I, and relief from herself too, in a way that I felt very, um, I responded too strongly. Apparently that might say something more about me. I should probably send this recording to my therapist afterwards to talk about. <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I, I feel like uh, my feeling too was, uh, I was like, oh, I do want to, I do want to see her escape. Although it is, it is kind of that bittersweet escape. It's, it's that, do you keep walking down Sunset Boulevard or do you go, it was that Jackie Chan and I'm going to go back to the Chateau Marmont moment mm -hmm. of the, of the last story where she's, she, yeah, she's escaping. She's also taking her son and the car and going off with a man who, uh, you know, is some kind of self-proclaimed prophet who probably doesn't have a great life plan uh, himself. Um, He's the charm alone could probably take them far. Um, no, and, but like, even there's a part where you, a little fake out part at the end where you got, you have her have one last nice, one last one nice last day with um her husband and i didn't i expected that to be like you know oh she she decided that her life was like worth it but it just what was what was the um reason behind that because i i mean other than like a fake out but like her to have that like nice last moment with him um, uh, just a, 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 that element of, and I'm, I don't know who more eloquent writers say this, so I'm st stealing whatever whatever wisdom I've gleaned. Having your characters, even the, the more supporting characters, kind of have their their grace moment. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, in, in in the story, the the husband who seems like a bit of a a buffoon um, and and is a a, a bit of a buffoon. Um, you know, has a redeeming moment um, where where he is uh, making a plan for her to like, you know, carve out a little more time for her writing and some more mm -hmm. her time and does some nice things for her. And part of that is he can probably feel that that vibration in the air you feel when someone's losing interest and is and is leaving. So it's his last stab. And part of it is because you want to, I should say, I want to have a moment in the story that that you know, makes it make sense. Why Why is this woman who's kind of smart and sardonic and cool, like, why'd she stick with this guy for so long? Oh, oh, there it is. There's that that glimmer yeah. of the guy he used to be um, mm -hmm. uh, before they kind of got stuck in the in the marriage doldrums. So, um, yeah, so that was that moment. And, and to make it a real, a real choice for her um, mm -hmm. at the end and, when she... And I mean, it just, that moment was... Another another uh, surprise moment for me of realizing, oh, these, I mean, she, and I think she knows, she knew it too, from what I got from it, that she was also being kind of the bad guy there in the sense of like, she was, she knew what she was doing. She like, there was a line at the end where she says, I can find it real quick. Um, he knew as well as I did our garage would never be anything but a garage. And I read that being like, oh, does that, is, is it her like being like, oh, I will never expect anything from him. I can never, I know that he'll fail no matter what. 
but also like it was it after reading the ending of it I was like oh is it her being like I don't want to put that hope into him either and kind and make him let me down but not give him the chance to and it felt really um I don't know it made each it made the characters you know at that moment changed for me into like I thought she was the victim but now he might be the victim in a lot of ways that husband and it just it made me you know sad for a character I never thought I'd be sad for oh I love that great (laughs) no I no I I just I found that very impactful um I, I think yeah when you're the when you're the one leaving um I think it's a that's a very loaded line when you're the one leaving is it, it's probably a mixture of uh you know she feels like she's probably not believing that his good intentions while sincere mm-hmm. are going to be followed up on but you know what maybe she's just telling herself that because she has uh, already decided in her mind that it's easier and uh more convenient and more pleasurable for her to to leave so yeah like it, giving herself an excuse yeah to leave him instead of you know putting that blame on herself as well yeah no i i mean in listeners that was that i that's something that i felt throughout the book just like you know uh these these again um heightened characters who are also because the i mean that cult leader (laughs) very heightened character the soda was a the blue sodas were uh i don't know why but every time i saw a character with a blue soda in that story i just started like chuckling because i was i just that imagery of all of them with just blue sodas as they're like as a part of like the signature of the cult was just so entertaining to me but like i mean there it was heightened in a lot of ways but also just like you know the character got real at the end there too and um to me and it just uh it was just great to read that so you know i mean i feel i i just loved it i had a great time with that story and all the stories so i i don't know listeners go go read it go grab a copy um and you know flip buy it grab a copy buy it flip through it read read through them um and you will be surprised you will be very surprised about what you'll find in this book um duncan thank you so much for being on today thanks for having me this this is this is great and thanks for such a a careful reading of the book (laughs) no thank you for you know writing this book and bringing it to the store and you know being on today this has been a great this has been a great conversation i had a lot of fun um before we go would is there anything you would like to say to our listeners and you know the independent bookstore community uh, just, you know, that, uh, I love the independent bookstore community. I'm such a fan of skylight. I've been in LA for 20 years and I, I, I don't even have enough fingers and toes to count all the great readings I've, I've seen there at skylight, whether it was, you know, uh, the, the JT Leroy, uh, uh crazy reading back in the day, or, or, or yeah. I've discovered so many writers that I'm, I'm still reading now, like, mm-hmm. uh, like Richard Lang and, and Jerry Stahl and Jonathan. Ames, who I now also lucky enough to to know know those writers as, as well, but uh, many of them I discovered at Skylight, um, and it just feels like, you know, it it just feels like there's there's a reading and also being able to go into a bookstore and chat with people that work there or the people that are shopping there about the books that I'm reading and picking out is such a big part of of the experience. Um, 
that uh, yeah, the independent bookstores to me are are the lifeblood, the, the the spine of the whole spine of the whole thing. So thank you guys for being there. And like I said before we started recording, I was there Christmas Eve, and it was like so nice just to be there. I was like ah, they're like it was so calming just to, to to be there, getting my books wrapped to to give out as gifts, and to have you guys be open. Um, it was really awesome. Shout out, and shout out to our book wrap, our book wrappers, our gift wrappers. Yeah, our gift wrappers that. <laughs> did they carried us this christmas so thank you to all of them um but thank you to you duncan this was so much so much fun and your book uh was such a great read i had a again a fantastic time i can't wait for you to come in and maybe sign some copies listeners maybe we'll have some we'll have some copies signed at the store um but no, thank you again, Duncan. And to our listeners, thank you for coming back. Or if you're, this is your first time, thank you for listening. Go back and listen to some of our other episodes. We have some fantastic authors like Duncan who've been on. So yeah, check us out and look at and you know keep an eye out for our schedule. We have some exciting, exciting authors coming on. So yeah, welcome and come back soon. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon.